Welcome everyone to the Kingdom REI Podcast. This is your host, Ellis Hammond, and this is the show to really inspire and equip kingdom leaders who are serious about advancing God's kingdom through life, business, and real estate. And we have an incredible and incredible episode, two amazing guests. I I would say this is the quintessential episode if you are looking to be a power couple. (laughs) Like if you are in business with your spouse or you want to be in business with your spouse, or that's something you aspire to, this episode is going to literally rock your socks off. Did I say that right? Is it knock your socks off or whatever the case is, this episode is going to be awesome. We have Gabby and Garrett Hawk with us today. Um, If you haven't heard of them, you're about to be amazed at their story and what they've accomplished in the last three years. Just real quick, they have bought and sold over 1,200 units in the last three years. Um, They own a company called um, Hawk or Hawk Property Holdings. They own and operate affordable housing in the Midwest and just an incredible, incredible story. Um, And so I want, without further ado, let me introduce Garrett and Gabby to you. How are you guys? Good. good. Very good. How you doing, Alice? Good, man. Good. So, um, let me let, let's start with Gabby. So, uh, Garrett, I know you, brother, because we've been in the Kingdom Ariad Mastermind together for just now about fifteen months, and have loved getting to know you and watching your journey and, and just seeing you grow. But, but you always, every time I talk to you, you're like, really, it's just, it really is Gabby. So the reason I brought you on today, man, is just really to speak to Gabby. So let's start with her. Um, Gabby, tell us, and I, but let's not, I don't want to do the whole episode, but just a quick introduction. Is this your first podcast show, by the way? Uh, yes, it is the first podcast. Yeah, the first one. Um, so I'm tell, tell us a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell, talk to us. Where are you from? How'd you meet Garrett? What's your role? Um, you know, tell us a little bit. Yeah, so uh, I came uh, to United States in 2014 in a volleyball scholarship. Um, I didn't speak any English then, so that was a little bit hard in the beginning. Uh, just, you know, and I didn't know anybody, so that was also hard. But, you know, God um, walked with me through through it all and then, um, you know, gave me strength through all that. Uh but uh, so in 2016, I transferred for a division two uh, Northwest volleyball uh, program where I met Garrett. Uh, I was an intern at the church where his, his dad was uh, his dad was the pastor at. Um, so then uh, we got to know each other. We were best friends. So let me, let me start real quick. Let me, let me ask a question. Here. So um, if you if you guys aren't, you, you could probably watch this on YouTube eventually. You know, Gabby, you came from Brazil, beautiful woman you are, you moved to the Midwest, you play volleyball, and then you, you meet a good Midwestern boy like Garrett. I mean, talk to me about the motivation of like, what were you thinking in terms of, did you, you know, you moved, it's got to be so different from Brazil. I mean, what was the, the pull, one to come here? And then, I mean, I love Garrett to death, but you know, it's different from Brazil. I mean, he's a Midwestern boy. The culture is a little bit different. So what was the pull to draw? Let's talk about that real quick. 
Hey, real estate investors, if you've been enjoying this show for a while or enjoying this content at all, then I'm sure you're going to want to know that we have a mastermind for kingdom-minded real estate investors uh, with folks from all over the country. If you're wondering what is a mastermind, this is a community that we began back in 2020 uh, to really serve faith-minded investors, those who were ambitious in the world of real estate and entrepreneurship, but also passionate about Christ and really wanted a place, an environment, a community uh, where we could really join force, join forces and lock arms with people who are like-minded to really flourish in both of those areas. We also have a ton of fun when we meet in places like Dallas, Orlando, San Diego throughout the year. And so I would love to be able to share with you more details on that. If you go to thekingdomrei.com, that's thekingdomrei.com, you can learn more about our mastermind, hear from our members, and then apply to be a part of this community and give us an opportunity to chat more and see if it's a good fit. Enjoy the show. Um, well, first we were friends. Uh, and then I, I can say that he became my best friend. Um, but uh, it was, I think, I think my main thing is not just about where you're from or, you know, what is your background? It's just more like your vision and uh, what you want for yourself in the future and your heart for God. And I think... Mm. The main thing for me was like his heart for God, that he put God before anything else. And I knew that he would put God before me. And that was the most important thing for me because I'll, I'll put anybody, I'll put God before anybody. So I think the main thing for me was, it was, it was the key for me was that, that he would put God before anything. So, yeah. So yeah, I think that's, that's how, and well, and mostly because he's dead uh well friend i he was my pastor he is my pastor but uh he was my pastor at the time his mom too and we're good friends and they really um they encouraged they really encouraged (laughs) so they were they 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 were the matchmakers they were the matchmakers (laughs) hey gabby in terms of um i mean when you met garrett you know he he didn't have much he was a pastor's kid and he didn't have 1200 units of real estate in terms of vision, though, in terms of where you thought you guys might be able to go together, what did you see in Garrett then when it when he didn't have much? I think uh, I think mostly like from other people I met, it's just that he had the goal, and I had the same goal, like to to grow, you know, to be something more than we were at the time, and we're more than uh, somebody would, you know, put the tips in. And uh, I think that my main thing was that he he worked hard for what he wanted. And I I didn't care um, would I look in a relationship on a man for, for my life is that we would walk together. And uh, my main thing was like, I didn't want to walk towards something that my husband wouldn't. And uh, when I met Garrett, he like used this uh, white American boy that, uh, <laughs> that was you said it, not me. <laughs> it was hardworking and uh, had all these this dreams and goals. And that really inspired me because that's that's what I looked for myself. And that's what I wanted for myself. Like I came to United States, not know anything. I knew I want something big for me. And uh, I was not, you know, afraid to work hard towards it. And Garrett was the same way. So I think that that was that was a big thing for 
for me. Last thing, last thing for you, Gabby. Well, last thing in this regard. Tell me, and I want to, and, we'll, and then we'll get into the episode. We haven't even gotten to the episode yet, folks. This is amazing. Like this is already the, a better start than I, than I had even planned for. Um, Garrett, you haven't even spoke yet. I guess and think about how good this show is so far. Um, <laughs> Gabby, tell us a little bit, just because I am so curious about you, because I do. As people, I want to be people to understand who you are too, because knowing you both and knowing what you guys have built there's such a, an incredible collaboration here and um you you really are a power couple and you are a power you're a pillar in and of yourself tell us kind of what you came from in brazil what was home like what was family like you know did, is there a middle class in brazil is there an upper class and and where where do you where did your family fall in um so brazil has all the classes uh I feel like it's just opportunity is not there as much as United States. Um, so if you want to grow in United States, it's, it's a, it, there is an easier path than in Brazil. Brazil is just not that easy. You can work hard as much as you want and that path might never be there, you know? So um, I think the difference between there and here, I think is just like that part where you, if you want work towards something, you can get accomplished here. Where in Brazil, it's like, you're gonna work towards something and you can you might get accomplished. Uh, and it's just like, so for me, like growing up, like what you asked, um, I grew up, uh, my family was poor. It was very difficult childhood uh, where my both of my parents got unemployed at the same time. And um, I was, uh, I think I was two or three years old and, um, I had two older siblings, uh, which is just three years apart. Um, so it's just like, it was very difficult. Um, like, you know, sharing food and uh, it was just, everything was very hard. And uh, so my, when I became a teenager, like 10 years old, nine, 10 years old, uh, my mom decided to go to college, you know, and it was, already hard but she said well if you want to do something for our lives either your dad or myself has to go so she decided to go she made that she took that for herself so most of that part I didn't even see my mom most of the time my dad worked during the whole night and took care of us during the day and my so mom, your mom myself, went to school so your dad could keep working and make and make yes, some money correct. so that she yeah. could do that's all awesome. so my mom was also working at the time she had uh she worked in two schools and she was studying during the night so it was like <laughs> so i think like for me sitting back and looking at that um it could go bo both ways you know where you a lot of, i see a lot of people just getting like okay that's the life i'm gonna have for the rest of my life where my parents just were like, no, if you want something, you can fight for it. And you just mm. have to, to take the courage, you know, you're going to have to leave some things behind and then to make it better. So I feel like for me, it was a good example. And for my brother, my sister as well, just like looking at that and seeing how much, how hard they were working to just trying to give us something better. Um, so I feel like, on that on that note it's just like it was a lot of um it was a lot of trials i would say yeah. like that but i but my parents never lose their fate you know my mom said it's just it's just the time you know god's god's providing we just have to keep working god's providing even when like we didn't have food on the table god she 
they both would say like god's providing he's just gonna take care of us and uh, you know so um when i i start working with uh i was 18 at the time um and um uh, after that before like after, before before i start working we went through some things with my mom cancer my mom had cancer when i was 16 that was hard too on the family because that was the point where we were just starting to get, you know, like financially um, better after my mom graduated and everything. She was being paid more and, you know, my dad was able to work in the better hours where he would make more money as well. Um, but it was just, uh, and then we were just hit again with the cancer in the family. So that, that was difficult, but made us grow uh, so much as a family and as individuals. Um, and I feel like after that, God just start, you know, um, making better, making better. I was talking to my mom the other day and she was just like, it's crazy how you can go through the battles for years. And then in, in five years, God changed our whole lives, like literally change everything. And, um, and I think I think I think that's the main point. I think our parents always taught us, even though we went through all that, I, our parents always taught us like to to fight. And you know, like you can't do better, you should do better because I did all this for you guys to be successful. So I think it's just more the mentality than anything. And they grew that up on us. Gabby, I'm so grateful that you shared that. And I'm glad we pulled that out of you and your story today, because, you know, like you said, there's a, when you come from Brazil and it doesn't seem like you were, you know, you weren't in the slums or the streets of Brazil, but you still have this context or this framework when you come to America, like there's more that can be achieved. And it is a privilege um, that, that we have the opportunity to accomplish and, and to think about what had to be sacrificed, like your mom going to college when you were a teenager, most people never have to see that here in the States, right? And and so I just, you know, I want, you know, and I, I just, I, I love that because I hope it's inspiring people. Like, and I hope this podcast, and, and I think so much in the world of faith and religion, Christianity is that we stifle ambition um, in, in the name of God, which I think is actually just so, it's just wrong because, um, and, and I think it's more of a cultural thing than a religious thing because it was your mom's faith, actually, in her belief in God that, hey, we can have more, we can accomplish more, we can do more, we can have a bigger impact. And what you guys have accomplished here and not just purchasing 1,200 units, but I know, and we're going to get into this today, the lives that you've impacted along the way and the lives that you're going to impact in the future are a result now of what your mom did in going to college when she was a teenager. And so I appreciate that so much. And, and, uh, and yeah, so we, uh, we, we honor your mom today as well. So, um, really awesome to hear. Well, Hey, uh, golly. All right. Good show guys. Thanks for joining Gary. <laughs> um, I want to do this. I want to stop and pray real quick. I always pray on the show. And so let me pray and get into, <laughs> get into the episode. Isn't that hilarious? So let me, let me just start. God, we, we thank you. Um, I'm, I'm just so pumped for this show and, what this is going to do in the lives and hearts and minds of those who are listening in my heart and mind as well. And so just pray that we would be able to glean the wisdom, the knowledge, the inspiration uh, from Gabby and Garrett and their story. And just even the the work, just hearing this, the foundation that was built in them even before they they launched this business. God, would it challenge, would it create ambition and passion and dreams 
and all who are listening to accomplish more for the sake of your kingdom. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So, Garrett, I got a question for you finally. Okay. We'll, we'll let you speak. Is it okay, Gabby, if Garrett <laughs> joins the yeah. show now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, all right. We got a lot to talk about, but I do want to start with a good story here because um, at some somehow you got a McLaren at the same time you bought, bought an apartment building. Let, let's start there and then we can work backwards. How you got, an, how you got a McLaren? Anybody doesn't know what a McLaren It's a very nice luxury performance vehicle. Um, tell us this story. Yeah. So um, it's kind of funny because we have a, we have a couple of really, really great friends uh, that are, we've also done a lot of business with and uh, we've one of us, one particular relationship and uh, he's a car collector. Um, he has, I think he has like 200 and some cars uh, that he owns. Uh, wow. He's, very yeah very wealthy very generous guy uh, but anyway he uh is also was a real estate lender and uh there was a property uh he brought up to me he said his borrower was in default and he this guy had actually this guy who was in default had a mclaren and he had traded the mclaren uh, for mortgage payments and so this guy he's a he's a he does deals. He works things out. And I just dropped a hint to Gabby one day. I was like, wouldn't it be cool? Cause it wasn't we... just a hint. It was a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a hint. It was, what if we could do this? And, uh, so anyway, it was, um, it was a 34, 38 unit apartment building. I can't remember. And, yeah. and, uh, he, uh, so I just said, you know, like he was going to let us just come in and take over the mortgage. So I mentioned it to Gabby. I just said, Hey, what if we somehow got him to include the McLaren with the property and we just signed on the dotted line and got, got both. And she's like, no, you don't need that car. You don't <laughs> need this property. We've got other properties we're working on. And so I just kind of gave up on it. And then I left on a business trip um, for like three days and I came back and Gabby got it all on video. It's at, uh, she surprised me with the car and she had oh, went my back, negotiated, worked out that deal. And so she bought the McLaren for a dollar, as it says, wow. we got the property as well. So it was a uh, pretty, pretty cool. She did a great That's job. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what switch in your, did, did you always think that did, what, what switch for you <laughs> from no, you don't need it till surprising him with it? Well, yeah. So it was a great deal. Uh, the way he, the way Garrett presented, before I was like, we don't need this car. It's just not, you know, no. Uh, and he brought up the hint more than once, more than twice, more than three times. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I was just like, we don't need this, you know, it's in a very expensive car. We this new property. We're working on other things. We got so much going on right now. But the way he presented it is just like put the car with the mortgage. And I kept thinking about that. I said, well, if it's that way, maybe maybe we could do can work something out. So then, um, yeah, I was I was on that deal for like over a month talking to our friend and um, the lender and then just trying to figure out a way. He was very patient with me because it was just like, because this part of the, our business, like the investment part, Garrett takes care of. And um, so I, he was very patient with me, just asking, just answering all my questions and not, everything I had to go through. Then uh, um, 
Dig it. Yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> she got it. She landed it. I love it. So Garrett, let's go back a little, or let's go back for both of you. Um, Garrett, before you met Gabby, and because I, I want to understand a couple of things about your business, this relationship. I think a lot of people, um, just your your journey, your story is gonna be really good, but also just kind of how you've grown fast. I mean, that's what I want to try and glean out of you and how working together and what you, you know, have come together on um, has accelerated this path. So three years ago, you know, where, where were you in terms of your portfolio and your business and, and even like, what, what did you even expect to build at that point? Right. Uh, so I had, I was kind of a, an overworked entrepreneur, if you want to say that. I had a lot of things going on, but I wasn't doing a whole lot of them well. Uh, I think um, I had about 50, 50 doors, maybe 51 doors, uh, trying to self-manage with a few few guys, part-time employees. And then I guess we had just, I had just bought a 76 unit right before we got married uh, with a partner. And so we were, yeah, that's what we were at, but I just, I was disorganized. I was all over the place and I just didn't have a dependable system. It's just not my personality. And so uh, when Gabby came in, you know, it's just, it was literally, I said, okay, here's a book. And it was, the book was <laughs> how to manage rental property. It's like a bigger pockets book. I was like, read this, do everything that it says and just ignore me if I tell you to do something different. And yeah. so that's what she did. I just was like, I mean, we battled on a few things, but she's just like, no, you said everything in this book. I'm like, you're right. I said that. So it was not like something that I was not wanting to let, let go of. I was more than willing just because she was highly capable and much more efficient at it than I was. So Gabby just really just put the systems and the base and everything together, which was kind of a system. And then that was like the foundation that we could build the business on top of. Um, and it was good just because I, I got to focus on the things that I was good at. And then Gabby got to focus on what she was good at. So Garrett, which were what? I love that because I did, I'm reading this book right now. I highly recommend anyone who's listened, Who Not How by Dan Sullivan. Okay. This idea of like, as there, it's like what you were trying to do. Let me just figure out how to do all of this. When in reality, we could probably grow and scale a lot faster if we just figured out the who, you know, to, to really do that. And so it sounds like you really found the who in your partner, Gabby, here. So my question is, when you found that who, which was Gabby, what did that free you up to do that you feel like has been clearly just a um, – you know, an igniter in terms of scaling your portfolio. I mean, what, what is your superpower and what did that unleash in you? Uh, for me, it was just, uh, I, I really thrive on the relationships and kind of the chase. Um, so the relationships with the investors, you know, I went out and we've got about, um, you know, we, we JV all of our deals. We do joint ventures. We don't do any syndications. So a lot of our guys are just middle-class guys, friends, family, people I've met, in our you know, real estate meetups and, you know, we just met those and I've just built and formed those relationships. And then um, from there, I was just able just to go after and chase deals and work out financing and uh, all this, just kind of put all the rest of the pieces together. So uh, that was me. It was just kind of, I got to go hunt and I got to find people to come along with me and figure out the how as I went. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So in terms of systems processes, Gabby, you came in because I think there's probably a lot of people listening that are where Garrett was 
when you came in, you know, before you came in and overworked entrepreneur, trying to do it all, not great systems, has a, you know, have a vision for wanting to grow their portfolio, but not really sure how, I mean, what, what was, what were the things early on that you saw as key activities to help you guys get past the, you know, the sole entrepreneur way of doing things? I think the main thing was just like uh, the the process of everything. Garrett had like everything all over the place. And uh, that was, and I am very like, okay, this needs to be this way and this way and this way. And then that was, I think the main key was just like getting everything together, knowing how, where things are, just, Sometimes you have papers all over the place with the same thing and then just like organizing everything and then making sure that we have an operating system where uh, I could I could oversee everything in just in front of me, not having to go everywhere. So then um, that's when we decided that we needed uh, um, a software and um, we acquire the Upfoldio. We, where we put most of our, our things in and um, now we have an, like we made an office also where we I have all the paperwork if we need to go back to everything and I think it mainly is just the operating and making sure every detail is there yeah and she's Debbie's really good at delegating and putting we've got close to about 30 employees now and so Gabby's yeah, just able to really good just divide responsibility and delegate delegate and then as we grow we've just been able to take on more and put put responsibilities in certain areas so. yeah in the beginning it was like just us so then we tried to make everything um put in a system but then if we wanted to grow and for us to be able to grow we needed to bring more people in that's when let me ask you a question because i think a lot and, and this is for me too i mean we're trying to hire like crazy right now because i feel like this is click for me but i struggled for so long on i just wasn't sure if the pay you know it's like you're early entrepreneur things are tight you know it's not like you're making a lot of money yet what was like that decision process for you and seeing hey we need to hire more people to grow to be able to make more money to you know what i mean but like what was that the case for you as well where when you started hiring things were still tight or did you create a bunch of margin and then start hiring people what was your what was your process for that no, it was very tight when we started. Very tight, actually. <laughs> um, but we, I made, what I made, it was just like going to the things that we were spending more money and see if we could decrease that somehow. Uh, for example, going to Home Depot, I did not allow the maintenance guy to go to Home Depot. I went to Home Depot and I got, I got in a way like it would be cheaper. Even like saving $5 at the time, it would save us somehow to be able to grow more. Uh, it's just like these little details that I made sure, like in the beginning I was working crazy hours because I was on everybody's schedules besides mine to make sure that we were saving that money to be able to, you know, bring more people and grow somehow. So I think the details, the details is the most important part of it. Right. Just like dedicating your time to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's so helpful. I mean, because it, you know, when it, it just goes back to that who principle of, you know, where we don't realize how much time or how much it, just even thinking about the dot, the bottom line, like how much money we're actually losing, because we're not 
freed up to for the earning potential of that time, right? Like we don't think about the earning potential of our time. And so, you know, we trade that for doing things that we could probably hire for 15, 20 bucks an hour and, and for a lot of entrepreneurs, even less, you know? And so um, I just think that's a key principle that, you know, you're at 30 employees. Now, Garrett, do you ever think that you'd have 30 employees um, in your business? Was that? You know, I think uh, my previous business, I was in a gas, it was gas stations and it was employees are one of my main stressors. And so mm-hmm. having 30 employees now, me managing 30 employees, which stressed me out, but Gabby running 30 employees is so much easier. So it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to go back to the 1200 units. And I want to ask you a couple of leadership questions before we wrap up here. I mean, how you haven't syndicated anything. So you, everything's been a joint venture. And for those who are listening, syndication and joint venturing syndication is, is, you know, a way of pooling investor capital and putting them on a limited partnership side where you are operating and owning the deal as a general partner, where a joint venture is kind of everyone has equal ownership, equal risk, responsibility in terms of taking down deals. So 1,200 units in three years, that's a lot. Uh, It's a lot. I mean, how many transactions is that? And then like, what is the process of, if someone wants to replicate your success, Mm -hmm. how, how do you do it? And would you recommend someone to replicate the way you've done it? I'm curious. Sure. So I'd say... Uh, first and foremost, you know, uh, I, I really think the key to growth um, in a short amount of time is relationships and keeping those relationships and keeping those open at the right time with the right people. Uh, we've had, like I said, we've had 12, we've had bought and sold 1200 units and I'd say half of that has come from one relationship. And so just uh you know, just where we're at in our business where, you know, we liquidated probably 90% of our portfolio last year and then repurchased uh, with different ones. And that was just a transition where we saw for us that we had to make was just, okay, this is an opportunity uh, with this, with this relationship to, when we were selling them at, you know, we were, a lot of our cap rates that we were at, like at 12 and 13 cap rates on our portfolio, we were able to sell them at six and a half and sevens with us with a seller. And so our relationship to sell that was we had to keep that open, keep that relationship there, make sure that relationship is taken care of. And then on the buy side, uh, we it was that same um, same friend that we bought the car through um, just keeping that relationship. Uh, open and willing and able and just flexible and then just doing whatever we can to make sure that those are taken care of. And then the third one is our partners. You know, uh, we put our partner's interest interest before our own. And so, uh, you know, we don't take it lightly that they've entrusted, you know, because we don't have extremely wealthy people as our partners. These are a lot of them are middle-class or trying to retire. And so we're just helping, uh, helping them really achieve wealth. And we keep, take that as a really high responsibility. So as far as that goes, you know, if you have a good solid base of trust on your buyers, your sellers and your partners, I mean, you can really keep that relationship intact to make sure that you're always giving more than you're taking. Uh, That will really, I'd say, help you grow in a short amount of time. So, yeah. And so a lot of this, just from a more, um, I don't want to call strategic, but more operation standpoint, a lot of this was, 
like I mean, you just you would buy low. I mean, I don't, buy at a higher cap rate, so sell at a lower cap rate. So say you bought it for four, you're selling it at eight, and then you would just ten thirty one that into a bigger deal. Is that kind of the accumulation yeah. of that and doing that a couple times a year? Uh, yeah, we did that. Uh, I don't know how many transactions we did last year. We were in the middle of a bunch of transactions right now, but it's all in that same. We're selling, lining it up, ten thirty one, right within right. a couple of weeks after. So that's right. really what we're doing right now. Let me ask you this, Gary, because we we're looking at some deals together. We've chatted about this. I mean, most folks trying to get in the world of real estate right now, it's, that's a hard strategy to follow because now you're buying in a six cap. And in most markets, those probably will never be a three cap market. I mean, if they are, I'm not saying they, they won't be, but mm-hmm. it'd be really interesting, right? If the Midwest is ever at a three cap in terms of a multifamily product. So, I mean, you know, it's going to be, it's a lot harder to imp- imitate what you guys have done. And not saying it's impossible, but in most markets, again, you bought at 13, you're selling at six, even in your own current market. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you were to try and replay or imitate your success again, I mean, what, what type of opportunities are you looking for next, just from an investment standpoint? Yeah, so I think uh, what we're saying is just uh, nationwide, this incredible need for affordable housing, you know, rising construction costs, um, you know, and plus population growth and people not able to buy homes. Um, it's just showing this huge need. So what we're, we're focusing, we really kind of stumbled into it, to be honest, um, is we're looking, uh, we're buying more of these extended stay hotels and making the multifamily conversion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I think we have uh, between what we own and what we have under contract, it's about five or 600 doors that we are either, we're in the process going through the portfolio and making the multifamily conversion. And so um, that's just the opportunity that we see uh, yeah. just because it's a, you know, it's a new type of, it, it, I should say the renovations that we've gone through has really been eye-opening just trying to figure out how to make it work. Um, but also it's just been, realizing the need for for that and in, in the yeah. markets that we're in so yeah that's that's, that's great that's typically what we've kind of buttoned down on and we aren't buying any traditional multifamily properties just because we can't find anything we want to right. that makes sense so yeah yeah i mean i just wrote an article and there's some huge demand right i mean this incredible in most cities like and then with you know, as these places get more expensive, the only way to really make it work from an investment standpoint is to renovate and raise rent. So like the the demand, the need for just your lower to even middle class is there's a huge demand for, you know, places where people can still rent for a thousand dollars or nine hundred dollars. Right. I mean, that that's getting really hard. So I love that opportunity. Well, let me ask you just a couple more questions in terms of if you talk about team and growing a team of 30. And we've chatted about this before, but I, I think um, what does it take in terms of leadership development, both from, you know, personally, and then thinking about that to the people that you, you know, that you employ, what does that take? I mean, clearly you're not the same person you were when it was just you and your part-time person, you know, to now 30 people, maybe you both can speak first on what does that take for you personally to become a leader of 30 people? And then what are you doing to really help develop the leaders underneath you? Yeah. Can we start? You. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, well, I think a lot of it is just uh, uh, making the people, um, our general managers at each property, our property managers, making them feel this sense of ownership. And so, you know, we incentivize them with their pay structures based uh, based on um, revenue and percentage of ownership as well, uh, just for bonuses and things like that. But uh, starting to, you know, just, you know, you as the owners of the company, as the CEOs, we, we are not the person that's supposed to solve every general manager's problem. We are not the ones that are supposed to, you know, be the one that everything kind of gets dumped on. What we do is, you know, you're, we have this conversation, we speak to them, you know, our general managers regularly. So this, this is your property. You know, this is your responsibility. And we don't that do that in a fearful way. We do that and say, this is an opportunistic way. Cause what we're doing is, you know, for example, we're buying the, we're buying the worst. Uh, I shouldn't say the worst. We're buying some very high crime, um, high crime, low income properties. Uh, you know, for example, we, we just purchased a 130 some unit um, property that ran, functioned as a hotel. Uh, not about an hour from where we live. And it was high crime score. Um, you know, you know, local cops wouldn't show up there on a 911 call unless it was an hour wait. And they definitely wouldn't go there alone at night. And so what we saw is we just saw this as the opportunity because uh, everybody kind of given it up. But if we come in, we talk to our managers and our employees, and we kind of cast the vision for what we want to do with the place. Say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to provide you all the tools necessary to do this. You know, and then what we've done is gone in, you know, just cleaned up the area, uh, cleaned up, you know, the, the criminal activity, higher security, do these renovations, take pride in the property. And now that managers are saying, well, okay, I have a role in this. And in return, they're getting positive feedback from the tenants. And so now they're saying, you know, the tenants, you know, are just coming to them overjoyed said, I've never been able to sit out uh, on my patio at night. Uh, because I was afraid, afraid to leave my, my unit. And so once we kind of include them in this process of, you know, this is where we're going, we cast the vision, uh, then we become an equipper of leaders rather than just a leader or a doer. And so once we have those things and we put those things in place and the owners or the managers gain that sense of responsibility, uh, then that just allows the whole team to grow and to have an optimistic outlook on what the future is going to be on each individual property that they're on. So, yeah, that's great. Gabby, what would you add just in terms of leading, leading others, leading a team? Um, he, he basically said everything. I think, <laughs> I, yeah, he basically said everything, but uh, I think one of the main things is that um, any employer, they don't want just employees. They, they might think they do, but they don't. You want, you know, you want leaders on your team because if you have leaders, like he, like he said, like you want them to take pride on your properties and, and you want them to, to feel like, okay, I, like he said, I have a sense of ownership here that I, if this property is succeeding, I'm succeeding. I think one of the main things that I learned throughout all this is that uh, they need they need to be encouraged. They need to be, you know, valued. They need to feel valued. 
So I feel like one of the things that I learned is just like um, be available for them, you know, whenever they need a phone call or something. But when they call you, you make them thinking that they are making the whole decision. I think that's the main thing that I think like, but what do you think? I already have my opinion what, you know, needs how needs to be solved the problem, but I want them to brainstorm it and, you know, take that as like, no, I made the decision. I called her, but who made the decision after all was me. So just like when they call me, I said, but what do you think should be done? Like, how do you feel this should be, you know, should be perceived or things like that. So they go and they make, they already know. They're just afraid to make that decision. Yeah. So you just have to give them, you know, the wings to go and fly. Literally, that's, yeah. that's what they just have to give them the okay, like, okay, no, you can make that decision. It's your decision to make. And I agree with you. So, you know, I it's think just that's like, excellent. Yeah. That, that, that yeah. question of, and I think that's such a powerful leadership principle in terms of leading others is that question of before you answer, just ask, like, what do you, well, what do you think? You know what I mean? Like that, that little tip right there is so golden in terms of leading others. And I, I think that's an excellent point to, to echo for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Garrett, I want to ask you just last question, man. You've been part of the Kingdom Aria Mastermind. Um, just to speak to that, you know, a lot of folks listening to this are in the world of real estate, being part of this mastermind, mastermind in general, and, and not just in a community, but especially one that really does prioritize um, Christ at the center. It just will you speak just a few words to to our community for those yeah. who maybe are listening and thinking about joining? I think it's just a. I think what you said at the beginning where. Uh, it's even, it's not just countercultural, it's counter church cultural in some ways of the ways that a lot of churches or communities that we've been involved in. I know there's a, you know, we, for me, I kind of growing up kind of felt like the odd man out. And in some things, like I was, you know, business minded, but also had a heart for the kingdom. And, you know, if you're striving to make profits, if you're striving to succeed, you know, you have to realize, you know, for us, you know, God has equipped us and we play this part in the kingdom because our goal is generosity. And so once you get to be around other guys who um, have championed that role, championed their purpose in the kingdom, uh, you get to really just collaborate and you get to, you know, honestly, just be creative, you know, see what are the ways that we've been gifted that we can grow and expand. And then I would just say the the access to um, people and just the conversations and their insight of who they've, how they've grown businesses just in our advisors board has just been uh, second to none as far as uh, hearing their advice and then having it from that kingdom perspective has really just been, yeah, just really been incredible. So it's been life-changing. I know for our business too. So. Yeah. I love hearing that, man. Well, listen, this has been such a fun episode. I am uh, so grateful that you both made the time. We're going to be together in a couple of weeks down in Florida. I'm excited about that and uh, to chat more and to hang. So thank you both. Any final words, closing thoughts before we get out of here, just maybe in terms of, um, you know, working together or uh, just even for kingdom community that's really trying to, you know, both be ambitious for the kingdom and in their business. Any Any closing thoughts? For me, it's just uh, as someone, if you have a business, you have a relationship with Christ, you know, uh, Christ, I mean, God, God cares deeply about your business and he cares deeply about every facet of your business. And so for us, 
you know, that's something that I would just recommend people. And I have a small group of guys that I mentor. I say, pray, pray over your business, pray over your business daily, you know, ask for God to reveal things that uh, you could be doing better. Uh, but, you know, make sure that you are continually seeking him and seeking his guidance on a daily basis, because it's, he, he wants you to succeed. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, on that note, I would say, yeah, pray over your business, over your employees. If you have any employees, uh, we pray daily on our employees, like God bless their families, bless, you know, the mindset and uh, the goals, the, you know, everything based on, um, because they, your employees is part now part of your family, is now part of uh, your future or what you dream for your life. So, I always pray for your employees. And on that note, for me and Gary, it's just like pray over your marriage if you are a couple that trying to do this. Um, because when you start to succeed, people start looking at you differently. Just make sure that the relationship of a, mm. of a couple is there and not just like business-like, but take the time to be husband and wife, take time to, you yep. know, to be partners in life, not only in business. So I think... That's such a good word. That's such a good word. Wow. Um, Garrett, I, I, I think you're doing your, you need to let Gabby be the face a little bit more, man. You know, I think she's, she's got a powerful story, man. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's got the face and she's got, she's got a story too, man, that we got, let's, we should chat about how to leverage, leverage that more. You guys are such a, uh, you're, you're, you're both powerful in your own rights. And um, I know that it's incredible how much success you've already had, but I got a really good feeling. We've only seen the beginning. There's, there's a lot that um, I hope that I can be a part of and even, even just get to watch over the next decade or two. So, Hey, I'm so grateful. Keenmar community, go be great. Uh, we'll see you next week. Cheers. Hey, real estate investors, I hope this show has given you permission to go out into the world and crush it in the name of Jesus. If you want to learn more about our community and locking arms and joining forces with other like-minded investors like yourself, go to thekingdomrei.com to learn more about our mastermind and send an application. We'll see you next week.